The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, good morning again. We are doing things a little bit different today. As you can see, Tim and I are going to uh, teach together, so it'll take about twice as long, right? Uh, Tim Cartwright is, has been our, our junior high pastor, part of our teaching team, has done local outreach as well, and is kind of focusing in on local outreach and, uh, and part of our teaching team. But a little bit, we're going to tell a little bit of our story. But before we do, just a, just a few things. One, you saw the, uh, the men's conference, kind of commercial there, men's conference February 3rd through 5th is a great opportunity to hear a good speaker, learn some truth from God's Word, and be with other men. Out in the lobby at our curve counter, we've got, um, we've got brochures that you can register with, or you can do that on the hub on our website. In addition, we've got men's Bible study that happens every Thursday, 6.30 a.m. in Creekside Commons, great time of fellowship, of breakfast, and of diving in the Word. And then at 9.30 on Thursdays, our Women at TBC Bible Studies Begin and those you can see the times they go through August, November, and then the spring, January through April. Registration for the spring study opens December 1st. And then, in addition, just want to say a big thanks to Brandon Brewer and our missions team. Had a, our Neighbors and Nations event yesterday. Great opportunity for people to learn about our next steps. In the spring, Brandon and a couple of other pastors in the area will be leading a missions class called Reset. You can get more information about that back in the lobby or on our website. Yesterday at, at Neighbors and Nations, also we had some dear friends who are with us today, our brother and sister, Celestin and Bernadette Musakura. Would you guys stand, please? Longtime friends and partners of TBC. Let's welcome the Musakuras. Our dear brother and sister, we are grateful to have you with us. And you give greetings to our friends in Dallas and Rwanda and Kenya and Tanzania and Burundi and Congo, all these nations you minister in. We're grateful to have you. Well, today we'll look a little bit different because today we're going to talk about adoption and foster care. It's a Adoption Sunday. And so typically, in case you're new here, we just kind of usually teach through books of the Bible. And today we're going to be in the Word, but wanted to tell a little bit of our stories and a little bit of the story of what God is doing at Temple Bible Church. So we'll just start uh, with a couple of family pictures. So this is, is my family. I said I was a good looking guy in the picture. Both ladies are good looking and people laughed last hour. I didn't know why they laughed. But this is my family. So my wife, Laura, and I had Maddie um, uh, many, many years ago, it seems like now, and then she married that funny-looking guy she's standing next to named Danner. We had Maddie, and then about three and a half years later, God gave us Nate, and we really thought that we were done with children. We were done biologically having kids, and then about two years after Nate was born, Laura, just sitting at the table one night, said, hey, does it feel like there's an empty spot at our table. And I uh, said just this most awful response, right? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and so we began to pray about adopting and we prayed about how God might guide our family to do that. And then actually through many conversations with many people, but then finally a conversation that Celestin and I had on the phone, we believed that God was leading us to adopt through from Rwanda. And so two years to the date after we filled out paperwork, we met 
John Elliot Yezakuzwe Bowers, who we call Jeb for short. And Jeb was seven months old and much smaller than he is now. But he had that great smile. And then when we adopted Jeb, we thought that we were done and began praying again about adoption and went through kind of a really hard process and lots of ups and downs. And at one point, I remember saying to our family, Maddie was 13, Nate was nine. I said, I'm not sure if we ought to do this. This has been so hard. Maybe this is just not for us. And Nate said, kind of with a force that he did not usually speak to me uh, at nine, said, Dad, you've been telling us since as long as I can remember that we don't give up just because things are hard. Well, thanks, Nate. <laughs> so we said, yeah, we'll, we'll continue on in this process. And we thought it would be Just months and months, and about five days after Nate said that, we got a call that would lead to the adoption of our fourth child, who is Mac, and he's eight now, and just got that great smile. And adoption's done a lot of things in our family, but I'll tell you, I wouldn't laugh nearly as much, I wouldn't smile nearly as much, I wouldn't know as much about spiny lizards if we hadn't adopted, and our kids explained to us about them. And then after Mac, we got a call that, uh, that we were going to have an opportunity to adopt Will Hudson, who is our caboose and the youngest Bowers. When we were in the process of adopting Will, it was close to time for him to be born. And Maddie and Laura, they were on a mission trip with Dave Tate, other youth from TBC in New York City. And I remember I was at, uh, at swimming lessons with Mac, and my phone rang, and it was the adoption agent's, our adoption agency's number. And before I answered, I said, God, I am not going to a baby being born without my wife. And God answered my prayer. And eight days later, we saw Will come into the world, and God has been, been blessing our family through adoption. When, when we began to pray about adoption and think about adoption, one of the things that we've said on the back end is, what else would we do other than sleep? A lot more. So that's a little bit of our family. Now, Tim's going to tell you a little bit about his family. All right. Appreciate you, Chase. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say you're the good-looking guy in that picture, but uh, if you want to go with that, that's fine. I'm not the good-looking guy in that picture. I got two other guys there on the left. We got Noah and Owen on the left. We got Sydney and Kendall on the right. Our amazing dog, Rocky, of course, Philadelphia all the way. And my wife, Candace, uh, there in the picture. So um, it's just been an amazing journey. You see Owen giving the peace sign. That's just what he does in every single picture he's ever had. I think even when he was a baby, he was given the peace sign. Uh, so <clears throat> we had just had Noah. And uh, this, these, this information really is, is kind of a, a shared story, more uh, told by Candace through all the things that she does with foster love and that story. But as we tell it together, really, from this information, it kind of helps us understand this journey. We had just had Noah. We kind of felt like we were done with kids. Uh, we had three, you know, two girls and a boy. We were set. We were good to go. And uh, Candace was in the nursery rocking Noah. And uh, just at that moment, she just felt this idea, this, this push that, um, you know, we should consider foster care or adoption. So she came in and told me this information, and uh, I was all over the idea. I grew up in a big family, you know, and I like the chaos, so, you know, bring them on, you know, bring on many on as we want, you know, just keep them coming. So I was kind of excited, but then she said, I don't want to talk about it for a year. And I was like, wait a second here, you know me. 
I got information. I need to talk, you know. It's just come from a long family, long line of talkers. And so uh, she's like, no, we're not talking about it for a year. She thought maybe during that year God would see how overwhelming three kids were, right? And be like, all right, I got it. You get it here. We're, we're kind of having trouble, you know, managing life. And three's enough for you. Maybe God would back off. But like God does often, he doesn't back off. He actually increased the pressure, kept hounding her with this idea. And before I could bring it up at that one-year mark, because I, you know I had it marked down like in a reminder on my phone, like everything else, I'm like, all right, we're coming up on that year. I'm about to bust out this statement. And before I could do that, she said, let's go, into, go to an interest meeting. She beat me to the punch. She said, let's go. Now, she said this reluctantly, basically thinking in her mind, hey, I go to a meeting, I do know they don't give kids out there, right? You just go to a meeting. It's not like you show up and here you go. And so it's one of those things, oh, maybe we could check this box off and be done. See, God, we went to a meeting and now we're good to go with our three kids. That's not the way it went down. Uh, It's kind of interesting how it goes. We attended the meeting, heard all about the needs, and you would think even in that moment, going to that meeting, that Maybe she'd be pushed in a way and respond to those needs, but it really wasn't moving her at that time. So still not thinking uh, that we wanted to do this, uh, I said to her, hey, how about we just commit to praying about it? Let's just take that step. If we could just pray together and consistently pray, not just like we'll pray about it. You know how you tell your friends, yeah, you'll pray about something and you always... Not always. Sometimes you forget. I don't know. I do that sometimes. Maybe not you. Okay, we're going to pray about it for real. And she reluctantly agreed there, and we, we decided uh, to go to the first meeting to learn about how licensing worked. Uh, we decided to take one step at a time. And it's kind of interesting how that works, right? Especially with God and his plans. Oftentimes it's not just, you know, jump in the deep end and just go for it with a cannonball. Sometimes it's just little steps, little baby steps of obedience. And that's what was happening here. So it came to the end of our training and uh, Candace felt fully on board. However, we want you to understand a very important statement, a powerful statement that sticks with us is that good and right does not equal comfortable and easy. Good and right does not equal comfortable and easy. As a matter of fact, when God calls us to things, he often calls us to difficult and hard and painful. And so this was the process for us. Came to the end of our training, we're ready to go and got licensed, and we got a call for a little guy, uh, but I was actually out of the country, and so uh, we get this call, and this guy shows up at our doorstep, and uh, here he is. For five days, we had him in our home, and it was just a difficult time. It wasn't a fairy tale placement, and they, not, they, they often aren't, and it was just a, a tough situation, and What made it even more tough is that he came to our house with just a trash bag with his belongings, and that was it. Little did we know that that is how a lot of kids come to placements, whatever they own in a trash bag. So he was placed in a kinship home, and 
After that, a few months later, we got a call. And that call on the other line was, we have a baby, uh, and uh, he's a week old, and uh, we need to bring him over to your house if you're interested. And what's interesting is in the paperwork, uh, Candace distinctly remembers saying, no babies, okay? Capital letters, I don't know, maybe she highlighted it, underlined it, circled it. We were done with diapers, right? We're, we're finished. And again, God has a sense of humor. Go ahead and tell God uh, what you're going to do and what he needs to do and the details. And he'll kind of laugh at you a little bit. So in about an hour and a half, a one-week-old baby boy comes up the sidewalk on his own. He was carried because that would be a miracle. But he comes up the sidewalk and he joins our family, comes into that house. And this brought us into the foster care world. And after two years of living in the unknown of foster care and not sure what's going to happen and what's happening here, because oftentimes, I mean, the goal is to reunite with family in the foster world. But that wasn't the case. And Owen actually officially became our son right before his second birthday, which is this Friday will be the ninth anniversary of that day. So he just celebrated his birthday Friday. So um, it was just such a blessing. The journey was difficult and uh, even continues to be a challenge at times, but we are so thankful and blessed. So with our backgrounds in mind, uh, Chase is going to share with us a little bit more from Scripture what that looks like. Yeah, we want to talk about what the Bible says, and as we do that, we're going to use a word that culture has kind of corrupted, and it is a word that that is kind of a hot-button word, but it's a word that's biblical through and through, and so we want to talk about this word because that's how Scripture talks about that, and the word is justice, and Scripture gives kind of four categories of justice, and it starts really with the covenant people of God. In Exodus 19... Really, Exodus 19 through 24, in Exodus, that there's kind of a book of the covenant that describes the Mosaic covenant, the covenant at Sinai, from about Exodus 19 through Exodus 24, and the book of Exodus tells the story that surrounds that covenant. And in Exodus 19, God says to Israel, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be my people. We're going to have a, a covenant together You're going to be my treasured possession, and you're going to show all the families of the earth what it looks like when humanity is flourishing under the rule of God. That was Israel's vocation, and so in that vocation, right in the center of that book of the covenant is Exodus 22, 22. Exodus 22, 22 says, you shall not mistreat a widow or a fatherless child. See, in the Old Testament, there were four categories of vulnerable people that the Lord spoke to his people about caring for. And that was the poor, the fatherless, the widow, and the sojourner. Deuteronomy 10.18 says, He, God, executes justice for the fatherless. Justice is this word that is tied to the righteousness of God. We come to not understand it as that, but it is that. Deuteronomy 27, 19, really strong language. Cursed to be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, amen. This was founded on this. God's people knew what it was to be sojourners in the land of Egypt, so they were to care for the vulnerable among them. 
Then when you go into the Psalms, you can read there, Psalm 82.3, give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. God's word's just full of this call to care for the most vulnerable among us. So that was Israel. And we think about today, there are vulnerable among us as well. There are all kinds of numbers that I could share with you today about kids in the system and about how there are higher rates of suicide and higher rates of drug use and higher rates of incarceration and higher rates of dropping out of school, higher rates of unemployment for those who end up without a family. But all those numbers represent vulnerable children. We, when we think about how we think about God, we often associate God with our Father. Sometimes people have concepts of God that are closely tied to their father. So if people grew up with a really angry and distant father, they can sometimes think of God as angry or distant. People who grew up with a really soft father, one with no boundaries, they might think God's like that, that his love really, there's no boundaries, there's no authority. Well, what happens to children who grow up without a father? What's their concept of God like? So into that, God's people come because the numbers represent children facing tragic situations. See, a family is a really, really good idea, right? Before the fall, God's plan for his image to spread over all the earth was through a family. And we're going to talk about adoption and foster care as really good things because we think they are, right? But adoption and foster care are a result of the fall, right? When adoption and foster care happen, they happen because tragedy has happened. And so in the tragedy, God spoke to his people and he said, the Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. There's a a verse a lot of us know right after this in Isaiah 118, it says, though your sins are scarlet, I'll wash them as white as snow. Well, this sin was the sin of God's covenant people. They were not doing good. They were not seeking justice for those oppressed among them. They were not bringing justice to the fatherless or pleading the widow's cause. And then, of course, in the New Testament, a verse that we know that we connect to pure and undefiled religion because it says it right there, religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We could go on and on and on in looking at scripture that speak to this reality that God's people care for the vulnerable. It's what we do. It's the vocation of the people of God so that we show the world what humanity can look like, what a community of people can look like that are caring for one another, loving for one another, serving one another. And James 1.27 says, here's a way to see what sincere faith looks like. It's a faith that cares for the widow, that cares for the fatherless, and that keeps oneself unstained from the world. Now, at TBC, we have loved doing these sorts of things. Tim, why don't you talk to us about some of the ways that, that TBC has combated brokenness as it relates to fatherless kids? 
Yeah, so when it comes to this brokenness and difficulty uh, that occurs in these situations, there's so many connections that TBC has and has kind of built these connections over the years and relationships uh, with different organizations. And there's a, a list of a number of them up here. Hope Pregnancy, they do support groups, they do ultrasounds, they do training for mothers and fathers and uh, just help in this area. Family Promise, they walk with families going through homelessness and allow them uh, a place to live and be able to give them support, help them find work and be able to get them into homes. And, and it's an amazing organization when you think about what God's doing there because over 90% of the families that come through never go back to homelessness. Feed My Sheep, CTLC, Helping Hands, all these places identifying needs and giving support so that a family doesn't have to get into the foster care system, trying to come alongside people who are struggling. Discipleship Unlimited and jail ministry that go to the, those who are incarcerated and, and help them get back on their feet, but not only help them get on their feet while they're incarcerated, but as they get out, they help them develop a plan for their family and they offer support along the way. And we have Foster Love Bell County, uh, which is close to my heart because uh, kind of going back to our story in the beginning, after we adopted, we had seen and learned so much about the foster care system, we knew we couldn't just wash our hands of it and be done. There was a lot going on in that system, and we knew there was something that could be done. So Candace began to pray about how she could be involved, and her mind kept going back to that first placement of the trash bag. That little guy that brought that trash bag with his belongings. And, and she knew that uh, just as her heart was pricked about that, that there were others, if she shared with her friends and others in this church, that, hey, this is a great need out there. And so it started with just little duffel bags at the outback. A bunch of you brought supplies and just filled these duffel bags uh, with supplies for foster kids. And that's where Foster Love Bell County was birthed. And now they have their own house that's fully paid for by God's grace. And so many here that are involved in that ministry. You got Katie right down here that's the director of that ministry now. And just what God's doing there is such a great thing. And then we even have overseas. Uh, Rwanda represented in the room today of this care where we support pastors who are connected to Alarm, and these pastors deal directly with orphans and care for them. I've watched it with my own eyes, them giving them meals, giving them clothes, uh, caring for them in a, such a sweet way. Ukraine and the pastor relationship there of churches and, and being closely knit with them, especially during this wartime effort. And then Peru is another place where the Hensons serve, and they have a foster program as well. So there's so many places that God is utilizing his people in a way that is using their gifts in a powerful way. So as we heard about the scripture, I think we can also go and see that God has a heart for those going through difficulty. There's scriptural basis for justice and I think this is God's heart as well. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6 says, Father of the fatherless, protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Father to the fatherless. What a powerful statement. He's called us to carry out this plan to settle those without a home into one. 
God doesn't stand up there and just wave his magic wand and all of a sudden all the kids have homes. He's actually given us the body of Christ, his representation physically in this world to do this, to carry out his plan. You see, our heart should reflect God's heart for those he cares for. So we're called to love in a deep and costly way as mentioned before. It's not easy. We're not called to easy. We're never called to easy in scripture. It doesn't matter whatever theme we're looking at. It is difficult. But there's joy in the difficult. There's joy in the struggle. And it draws us closer to God. So we must understand that the reality is that we all aren't called to foster and adopt. We are not saying that at all. I know Chase would echo this later, that the fact that uh, oftentimes if we meet with families, we'll meet with them and almost like maybe talk them out, try to talk them out of it, like, you do know what's coming. This is no fairy tale. It's not gonna be easy. But we'll finish with, but it is amazing. It is awesome to see what's happening through the process. And we also need to remember that it's not just a physical battle. It is more a spiritual battle than anything. And just like everything that we go through and everything that uh, we go through in life, we must realize there are spiritual forces in place battling against the family. And that we're called to be warriors, to be on the front line, to be those who stand up and speak up for those in need. This does not make us heroes in any sense of the word. The kids that are going through this difficulty, they're the ones who are heroes that we watch going through struggle after struggle. The families who are, are really working hard to stay together are in poverty and, and just really trying their best. So what we're called to is to come alongside I can borrow a phrase, the theme from Foster Love, which is everyone can do something. We're not all called to foster and adopt, but every single one of us in this room can do something to support and get after it when it comes to what God desires. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. So some ways that this can look like in your own life, maybe to maybe get the wheels turning is basic sacrificial giving of money and resources that you might have. We put out those needs all the time of, of things that come up that we could do to support families in need. Getting trained in respite care to help give foster families a little needed break once in a while. Being able to help those who are going through the process. Volunteering at local organizations that provide these essential services which we mentioned. And then even uh, being a mentor, uh, Wildcat Mentors through TISD and 401 House and other organizations that offer mentor uh, relationships that help strengthen a family that might be going through a difficult time. You see, children are a gift and sometimes we need this reminder that children are a gift from God. Sometimes it's challenging to have kids. 
but they're a gift. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of reward. So Chase, why don't you give us some ideas of some reputable adoption and, and foster care agencies? So when Laura and I began the process of praying about adoption and actually looking at agencies, we, we did that with a great tool you might have heard of. It's called Google. And we began to look at adoption agencies, and it was just overwhelming. It was almost paralyzing. There were just so many, and so we didn't know what to do. And so my wife's pretty smart, right? And, uh, and she started looking at adoption agency reviews on Google, which eliminated a lot. We'll just say that. And so I could tell you 10 or 15, but today I don't want to overwhelm you. So I just want to mention a couple of great foster and adoption placement agencies and one private adoption agency that are in our area that we feel like you can trust that will do well if you're interested. Because some of you, as we talk about this, you begin to get stirred. And we don't believe all of you should foster and adopt like Tim said. In fact, there are some of you you just shouldn't. But the, the reality is, the reality is that for some of you, there's this stirring and you get afraid or you get nervous or maybe you get excited. And if, if someone says to me, hey, I don't think God's calling us to adopt or foster, I, I trust that statement. Sometimes people say it with a gleam in their eye, though. I'm not sure that's what we're looking for, right? But if you are stirred, if you are moved, a couple of placement agencies for foster and foster to adopt in our area, Insulado, one's called Lighthouse, the other's called Circles of Care. And these are agencies that'll give you good care, give children good care, give your family good care. And then a, a private adoption agency in our area that has offices in Waco and in Austin is Nightlight Christian Adoptions. They were formerly called Generations here in Texas, and their Texas office gives great care to children, to families, and to birth moms as well. When I was kind of refreshing myself with some of these agencies, and I looked on Nightlight's website and Circles of Care website, I read this, and it really encouraged me, because Circles of Care and Nightlight, I think both from a foster and a private perspective, are really, really similar. And Circles of Care says, we exists to enhance children, youth, and families' ability for effective living and growth through comprehensive social and mental health services. Nightlight has a post-placement center that cares for children, helps families along the way, helps the birth parents along the way. When, when we look at foster and adoption, we see children with great needs, we see families with great needs, we see children who've walked through hard situations to get where they are, then the church has this great opportunity to come alongside. So scripture, though, also gives us broader opportunities to care for vulnerable children and families beyond fostering and adoption. And really, these come down to love. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So God might call you to come alongside a family who's fostering and adopting. I can remember meals being brought to us, diapers showing up on our doorstep. Nobody ever gave us extra sleep, I'll tell you that honestly. <laughs> However, people loved us and served us in a variety of ways. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love. 
And this, the love of God was made manifest, that God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. And so we want to live as reflections of his son. I'll tell you something that we didn't get to share with the 930 service because I didn't know it. A lady who's a friend of mine walked up to me between 930 and 11 and said, eight years ago, Chase, at Adoption Sunday, you mentioned that that families who weren't called to adopt could come alongside other families in a variety of ways. And one of the ways you said was they could support families through adopting. Do you remember that? And I vaguely remembered it. And what I didn't remember was right after church that Sunday, a family walked up to me and said, we're not called to adopt, but we do want to support families who are adopting. Is there anyone who has fees that we could help take care of? And so I mentioned this lady and her husband's name. Well, what I didn't know and what the family writing that check didn't know and what two other families who wrote checks that day didn't know is that the next day this family had some placement fees that they didn't have funds for. So one family I mentioned to and two other families decided they would support this particular family on that day and on the next day as a result of those three checks they had the exact dollar amount that they needed. God works through us in a variety of ways as the church to care for vulnerable children. And what this really comes down to is loving our neighbors. See, the justice that God expresses through the world is really love for those in vulnerable situations carried out by people who are embracing God's standards and believing God's word. The first and greatest commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And so really adoption and foster care and coming alongside those who are adopting and fostering, it's really about loving our neighbors. So Tim, just as we kind of move toward a close, would you tell us how do we do this at TBC? All right, so there's uh, a number of ways we kind of highlighted earlier, organizations that are there. And um, if you go to the For the City uh, link on our website, you'll see tons of different opportunities to be involved, and a number of them involve the family. And so you can go to our website and see that under local outreach and, and be able to contact those who are supervisors or directors of those ministries. Also, more specifically and very timely, is that uh, Foster Love is doing a special interest meeting this Thursday. So it's just how cool does the, the, we, I would like to say we didn't really work that out, but we did, Katie's there. Uh, but. It's just really cool for you guys to have an opportunity. Now, this doesn't mean, again, kind of like back to our story, it doesn't mean like uh, we're giving you a baby when you show up, okay? So uh, you just come on, and it's just an interest meeting. And it also doesn't mean that you're uh, ready to go and, or you even have the ability to take in a child. This could be your interest meeting that spurs you on to be a respite care provider or uh, that you volunteer in different ways. And so this interest meeting is a broad thing uh, for you to be able to come and enjoy that this coming Thursday. So make sure you get signed up even now. Get your phone out. I won't give you a hard time. Sign up. Get ready to go so we can get after it this Thursday. So we thought it would be best to push our prayer time that we normally do at worship uh, toward the end as a response to what you've heard today from God's word. And so I'd love for you to kind of take this time as a family, or maybe you came by yourself, and that's fine. Just pray where you're at, 
And uh, we're going to highlight three things for you to pray for as we finish up and just allow God and, and the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives. Number one, pray for the vulnerable children and families in Bell County, Rwanda, Ukraine, Peru, and across the world. Uh, it's uh, such a powerful thing when we pray that God starts to move in our hearts to see what we can do. Number two, that God can stir in our hearts uh, uh, just a, a passion for those with needs around us. Again, it's about loving our neighbor, and this is one way we get to do that. And then number three, for God to use us to foster and adopt uh, to, to use us to foster and adopt, support those who do, and help vulnerable families stay together. So why don't you just take a few moments where you're at and pray through those points, and then Chase will come up to close us. God, we humble ourselves before you, God. And I thank you, Lord, as I, as I look out in this room, I see adults who were adopted as kids. They're part of our body. Thank you, God, that they are with us. And Lord, I thank you for families who have said yes to foster an adoption. And God, for how you're working in and through them. God, we confess that every good and perfect gift is from you. So before anything, God, we say that we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you, God, that you sent your son, Jesus, to come and live and die for our sins and raise from the dead to give life to us, to give hope to us, and to bring us into your family. God, we are grateful. And Lord, we confess that children are a gift from you. And God, we know it breaks your heart and it breaks our heart that in our city and in the world, there are children that are hurting. They've been through trauma. They're lonely, they're sad. And God, right now in some families' hearts in this room, you're stirring, God, is it us? Are you stirring in us? And God, I pray you'd reveal yourself to everybody in this room what our roles might be as the, lonelies are, or as the lonely are kept in families, as the lonely are reunified with their family, and then when, because of the brokenness of the world and sin of individuals, being in a family of origin is unsustainable, God, you set the lonely in families. Would you continue to use this body 
as you have for many, many years to set the lonely in families. God, we pray also for sister churches in Ukraine and Rwanda for our work with Alarm in Rwanda as well in Peru. And God, for other churches here in Central Texas that are doing this work right along with us, God, we pray for your hand of grace on us that you would use us to be a blessing to children, that you'd use us to be a blessing to single moms, that you would use us to be a blessing to the vulnerable in our city, God, that families might flourish. Lord, I pray that you would move us to a radical sort of love that causes the world around us to go, why do you live like that? So that we might have to give a defense for the hope that is in us. Lord, help us to love our neighbors. Help us to love our neighbors through places like Hope Pregnancy Center and Discipleship Unlimited and Jail Ministry and CTLC and Feed My Sheep and Helping Hands and Family Promise. You've got an army of people in this room prepared to go out with a weapon of love to make much of Jesus Christ and care for those around us. So God, as we do, would you use the church carrying out its vocation would you use that to sanctify us would you use it to make us holy as you are lord we pray in jesus name amen